if you understand G, G was for what? Do you remember? G was for gift of grace. I was for identity, if you've been here. And we're going through gifts because of the five weeks. So today's is going to start with F. And if you have the notes already, it's fear. And you might think fear, that is an unusual gift. But we're going to look at it this morning. And if you would turn to Proverbs, we're going to go to Proverbs. And I believe it's 17, so look at Proverbs. And it is chapter 14, verse 26 and 27. And I'll be reading out of the Holman Christian and the New King James. Proverbs and 14, 26 and 27. And I've been reading through uh, Proverbs through in... Um, in a different, I usually have read it, always read it in King James or New King James, and I've been reading it through the Holman Christian, and it gives you a different perspective. Uh, it, the translation is word for word, but it's also, um, in this, there are some, and when you translate in a different language, you can't always go word for word. Uh, for example, there's a term in Spanish, like you're pulling my leg, or excuse me, in English, you would say when you're joking around, you're pulling my leg. Well, you can't say that directly in, in Spanish because it would have no significance because it's an idiom. And so you'd have to uh, translate it differently. And it does the same thing in, in, um, in the Bible, in the Hebrew, because what occurs is these are phrases, these are Proverbs. And Proverbs is sometimes a hard book to study because you go through, it has these wise sayings. And sometimes it'll repeat the saying or it'll say the positive attribute and then the negative. And so as we go to Chapter 14, verse 26 and 27, it says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children have ref- a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. And uh, we'll look at that and just understanding, talking about the fear of the Lord. But before we begin, let's shall we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have. Thank you for the fear of the Lord. Father, you have created us, and you created Adam and Eve, and understanding even the relationship there, where walked and talked, but then drove them out of the garden, and understanding even if we did not have a fear of the Lord, those who simply continued in sin, and understanding, not understanding what it means to who you are, that you are a holy God, separate from sin, you are perfect. And God, may we today be able to understand correctly the fear of the Lord and the benefits that gives to us and we pray that you would be lifted up thank you for your word for the truth it gives to us in Jesus name we ask it amen as we look at the fear of the Lord and if you look in your in if you're following along in the notes the next slide is the fear of the Lord it involves psychological and emotional reaction as we go through and understanding the response to that and in the fear of the Lord there are two aspects. And what that means is, first of all, there is afraid. Fear, when someone says the fear, you're afraid. And afraid of someone or something. When you were younger, and it's not confession time, but when, when you were younger, how many of you were afraid of the dark? Okay, some of you. And so, well, that's another fear. You could, arachnophobia, fear of spiders. So if you understand that, okay, you know, it'd be like, okay, we killed a spider, a dead spider um, earlier today. You know, there's one, hey, they get pretty big. You know, those of you who've seen the tarantulas, they get big. And, you know, some people have a 
phobia, a fear of spiders. But to understand, in fear, there is a positive and negative attribute. Because to be afraid of something isn't always a bad thing. As we think about raising um, children, and even in ourselves, fear of danger, of dangerous things. There are some people who say, well, I have no fear. You know, they go do things, and you know what? Sometimes they need to have a balance of where their fear lies because, okay, you're not fearful, but death, the consequences as well. So if you think about cliffs, if you've been to the Grand Canyon, you know, there's some who go out, oh, you know, I don't care about this boundary. I'm going to go out. I have no fear. Well, you know, you have to balance fear and stupidity because sometimes they don't do that. But there's a positive attribute because it's okay to be fearful of some dangerous things. Um, wild animals. And as we talk about spiders, do you guys, do you remember the crocodile hunter? The crocodile hunter would, Steve Irwin, you know, he'd be like, see that big crocodile over there? It can clamp down with 3,700 pounds of square inch. You know, it could re easily rip off my limbs. Let's go over and touch it. You know, you know, it's like, oh, look, oh, he's mad now. You know, no normal person would do that, okay? Just understanding. If you ever lived in Florida and understanding the alligators and, and crocodiles, there's a good thing to have a fear of those animals. And there's benefits to that of like being alive or having all of your limbs. A child, when, it, when a child is being raised, understanding to fear traffic. You know, don't go out in traffic obedience, but also, hey, be, be careful. Those cars don't slow down. You have to be fearful. There's a fearful of there of being alone. Sometimes people are fearf uh, fearful of being alone. Fire. Some people, you know, fire. Hey, you know, that's hot. Oh, is it hot? Oh, yeah, you're right, it is. You know, and we touch it. It's like, you know, do we understand that it w maybe we don't believe them, but fearfulness, that fear can have a positive attribute. But fear can also have a negative attribute. And that's where a fearful and anxious personality and these are often learned traits, maybe as a child or as we're growing up. If you've ever been beaten up by a bully or, or robbed, you know, there's a, there's a fear of not being in control and fearful of what others think about you, fearful for others' well-being. And these are fears of the unknown and events that are really out of our control, and they affect one's mental and physical health. And when these fears are unbalanced, they need to be recognized as what they are, and really it's sin, because you cannot do anything about them, and when it consumes and overwhelms you emotionally, physically, it, is a, it, 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 can, be, it can be a sin, because of the object of what you are fearing. And so now to balance out the afraid part of fear, let's look at the other aspect of it, because biblically, the Bible uses fear. If you think about the story of David and Goliath, you know, a nine-foot individual, there's a reason why to be afraid of this warrior, Goliath. And they were fearful. But David, it's interesting, the insight that he gives. And he was angry because of what that giant Goliath said and his trust, the object of his faith, if we think about it, was in the Lord. And not in... He didn't look at the size. He didn't look at the external. And often our fears are based upon what we see, what we think. Our imagination, you know, goes wild. But when it's unbalanced, it needs to be measured against and tempered with the awe, the aspect of fear of God. And here, the awe. So you have, sorry, you're a little behind on that slide, so go ahead to the next one. 
the awe. So the first um, was afraid, number one, and the second one was awe or reverence, recognizing the power and position and giving due respect. And it's usually toward a person, and it looked at even being a a king or a position in authority, but here referring to God, a person in an exalted position. The reverence in recognizing the power and position of a person and giving proper respect and submission. See, proper fear leads to proper obedience and behavior. And the Israelites who were delivered out of Egypt feared God, but also were to live according to God's command. And this is seen even in the book of Exodus as they were led out in 2020. Uh, if you hold your spot, we'll go to Exodus 2020, or you can just listen as I read it in Exodus 2020. It states and says, Moses responded to the people, Don't be afraid, for God has come to test you so that you will fear him and will not sin. To understanding that that power position of fearfulness was not just simply be afraid of God, but to understand if you fear the Lord, the result would be not to sin. So a fearfulness and awe. So can you go to the next slide? I'm not sure if I have a picture, but yeah. Special forces, respect, position, understanding. You know, as you see some people in that position, one who is, who has obviously looked like that or gun. If they came up to your house, you would have a certain fearfulness, but also there's a respect for how they even got to that position, the training, and to be able to have the knowledge and understanding. But now we must view this fear in respects to three areas of our lives. And we're going to look at fear, and as we think of it, the measure of the fearfulness, the afraid, but also the awe we're going to look at. So first thing is under family. And Proverbs 1.7 is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise this knowledge and instruction. And as we see in Proverbs 3.33, there's a few passages there you can go back if you want to or just follow along in proverbs 3:33, it says the lord's curse is on the household of the wicked but he blesses the home of the righteous and then one more in 34 1 proverbs 34 1 proverbs 34 1 that's wrong because it, there's only 31 chapters as like um I bet you did that in Psalms, accidentally looking in Psalm 34.1. I was, I was going down, like, oh, wait a second, I know that I'm wrong. And uh, let me check. I, I wanted to stay in, stay in Proverbs, and I bet you I went, yes. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His mouth shall continuously be in my mouth. And what it is, is that verse is with the home. Oh, I know what it is. It's supposed to be, let me see. It's, I bet it's... This is how you get distracted and diverted from, and especially uh, sometimes if I'm OC, this will happen. But I think it's 33 and 34. So let me just look real quick, and then we'll continue on. But, but Proverbs 3, and I bet it's uh, Proverbs 3. And uh, let me see if it's 34. If not, we'll continue on. It says, he mocks those who mock, but give grace to the humble. I'm not sure where it's at. It's probably in my other notes, and I typed it wrong. But um, the whole point is understanding is within the family. There is wisdom and uh, 
Solomon, as he calls out to his family, it's important to have wisdom and guidance, but the fear of the Lord, if it is within the household, there's going to be blessing. And the instruction to fear the Lord must begin in our homes. Um, many of you, maybe growing up, you, you understood you feared the rod. You feared your mom or dad. They, play, they instilled that fear within you. But to, to know when there's a proper respect and fear of the Lord in the home, the familial relationships will improve. When young people understand the fear of the Lord, they will obey their parents because there's blessing. When a husband fears the Lord, there will be an understanding of how to live properly toward his children and wife. And a wife understanding fear of the Lord, how to, to live in these relationships. And we look at these relationships. First of all, the husband and wife. When there's a proper fear of the Lord, a husband loves his wife even when she's not living godly. And a wife can show respect to her husband even if he does not deserve it. A parent-child, a parent can show patience and firm love with the proper fear of the Lord. And a child will respect and obey his parents even when they are not parenting well. Sometimes you wonder, how can a child, if a child maybe went to Sunday school and followed off the Lord, can still obey ungodly parents and to be a testimony uh, for God when they have the proper fear of the Lord. And then sibling relationships. Brothers and sisters, when we fear the Lord, I need a Christmas tune on that. Sorry. But, um, but when we fear the Lord properly, we can also learn to love our own siblings in the proper way, even if that means far away. Because sometimes siblings, you know, you just can't, you try to love them, but you know what? You need to love them from a distance. And this relationship teaches us how to serve others especially as brothers and sisters in Christ, because sometimes brothers and sisters in Christ can have a closer relationship than, than uh, blood ties or biologically. Whoever said blood is thicker than water, they're, they're part of the mafia. But, but look how well that worked out for some of the other, you know, the Roman rulers. It is truly thicker as we look at it, the chemistry, but to understand the closer ties is going to be spiritually. And... The familial relationships viewed in light of the positive negative attributes emotionally, but also measured against our personal fear of the Lord. We must evaluate our personal relationship with God. And then if we're going to improve our relationship with our family, it must start there. And in these we evaluate, how does my fear of the Lord, how does that affect my family? Because it does. But if, if we are more of the emotional, psychological fearfulness of, oh, I'm fearful of something else. I'm fearful of my, my, what my mom thinks, what my dad thinks, what my brother, sister thinks. You know, that's the challenge. Because some family members we'll never get along with. You know, I think about the, there's a letter of the, the mother who wrote to her son and daughter-in-law at Christmas time. And, it, and here, let me read it a little bit. It says, Dear darling son and that person you married. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you and please don't worry. I'm just fine considering I can't breathe or eat. The important thing is that you have a nice holiday thousands of miles away from your ailing mother. I've sent along my last $10 in this card which I hope you'll spend on my grandchildren. God knows their mother never buys anything nice. They look so thin in their pictures, poor babies. Thank you so much for the Christmas flowers, dear boy. I put them in the freezer so they'll stay fresh for my grave. Which reminds me, we buried Grandma last week. I know she died years ago, but I got a yearning for a good funeral, so Aunt Viola and I dug her up and had the services all over again. I would have invited you, but I know that woman you live with would never have let you come. 
I bet she's never even watched that videotape of my hemorrhoid surgery, has she? Well, son, it's time for me to crawl off to bed now. I lost my cane beating off muggers last week. But don't you worry about me. I'm also getting used to the cold since they turned my heat off, and I'm grateful because of the frost on my bed numbs the constant pain. Now, don't you even think about sending any more money because I know that you need it for those expensive family vacations you take every year. Give my love to my darling grandbabies and my regards to whatever her name is, the one with black roots who stole you screaming from my bosom. Merry Christmas, love mom. You know, you just wonder, some relationships you'll never be able to, to connect with. But in the fear of the Lord, you can actually still respond in a way. And sometimes, like I said, it means far away. But you don't harbor anger, bitterness. You don't attack vitriolically. You just have to simply love them and, and um, separate. But when we have the proper fear of the Lord, it helps us in that. And while we m might not always get along with our family members, we respond in the godly way. You know, and that's the hard thing as believers because sometimes family members, they behave sinful and ungodly. But we must be careful and not to return the behavior. And, you know, there no, lies no obligation for us as family to, to fix their messes or repair their damaged relationships. And that's where I say sometimes our church family can be often closer and uh, it is important for us to be able to, in the fear of the Lord, to respond appropriately and properly. But how does the fear of the Lord, how does that relate to our friends? The fear. Look at going back to Proverbs and verse, and they're a little out of order, but there's a reason. 1824, just a few pages over, 1824. And it says, a man with many friends may be harmed, but there's a friend who stays closer than a brother. But you go over back a page to 17, verse 9, and then I'll read 17 as well. It says, whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. And then you may be familiar with a friend, 1717, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity or difficult times. And then lastly, 27.6. Proverbs 27.6. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. And just understanding is that a true friend is going to care about the person. And the fear of the Lord affects it because you will care about the person even more than the relationship. Because it's in balance. If you think about it, in our friendships, most of you like to have friends, and most of you have friends. Hopefully you have a friend. If you need someone, you know, we could, we could pay them to be your friend or something. You know, I'm sure somebody here would be. But otherwise, hopefully you are a friend, and you must show yourself friendly. You will not have friends if you at least don't smile or, you know, say hello. You can't just grunt, you know. Sometimes that's the, the characterization of sometimes a husband, you know, huh, <laughs> You know, that's how they communicate. Some guys grunt, you know. If you think about, um, I think of the tool man Taylor and um, uh, what, what was the show, um, Tim and uh, Tool Time. And what would happen is, you know, sometimes they grunt and that, that's a form of communication. <laughs> but here, you know, as we look at friends, 
as do you fear God or others? You know, a proper understanding of the gift of fear affects our relationships with friends and with others for God because an ungodly fear will affect our behavior. Let me explain. Think about culture, how that affects us and a fear. Dress, social media, looks, possessions. They can dictate our actions. You know, oh, the latest fad. Maybe you want to wear the latest thing because that's in vogue or that's in, uh, I was going to say in mode, but that's in Spanish. But it's in style. It's current. And uh, there are things that we do because of maybe we're fearful of what other people think of us. And then sometimes you get to a point in your age like, you don't care, right? It doesn't matter what other people think of you. But as we go through life, oftentimes friends, we're fearful. Oh, did I offend them? Did I say something wrong? Did I do something? There's a benefit to that because if that occurs, we want to go back and and correct the relationship, the fear of the Lord. We, We don't want to only have offended someone. But an unbalanced fear is a fearful of what do they think of me? Or what is going on? Or trying to please. Sometimes we try to please people. And our understanding, our relationship with them is more important than our relationship with God. And what occurs is that we are more fearful of how they perceive us or maintaining the relationship instead of taking care and understanding the person. Maybe a friend is doing something illegal or sinful. Well, they're okay. We don't want to harm the relationship. Versus, you know what? Guess what? There needs to be a correction of your behavior. Or maybe they're doing something illegal. Do you turn them in? What do you do? You know, and there's that dilemma. Is it your place to tell someone? What do you do? But a correct fear of the Lord will not be worried about how they may perceive you. A correct fear of the Lord will be understanding what is right. And even if it has a negative connotation for them, because that will help them. There's some people who are in a situation or a set of circumstances, and you know what? No, no one tells them that, guess what? They are wrong. Do you ever remember the emperor's new clothing? Anyone remember that story, the emperor's new clothing? Some of you do? Okay, some of you, maybe, boy, it's been a long time. What happens is there's a, I'll t- give the brief synopsis. Okay, there is a kingdom, and this emperor, or this young traveling tailor comes to town, and, oh, you know, he wants to, Make some money, so he tells the king, okay, king, I'm going to make you this new gown, and, and uh, what happens is, and he pretends to spend all this time on it, and they give him money, and so he makes it, and guess what? It's invis- he says it's invisible. It's made of the most expensive cloth, but it's invisible, and so they have a parade, and he walks down through the street, and, and he's, he's naked, but you know, guess what? Just his underclothes, and people are like, oh, wow, isn't it? Because they want to buy in. They say, okay, I don't want to say anything bad, because even though the king looks like a fool, and then finally one king, one little kid calls out and says, hey, the kid, king has no clothes on. And then finally everyone realizes, guess what? He's right. They've been taken. But isn't it the same way in our own lives? You know, sometimes, you know, we just go along with ev- what everyone else thinks. But to understand a proper fear of the Lord and to worry about what God thinks. And sometimes it means that helping a friend, but it means that telling them the truth, even though it might hurt. Now, that doesn't give you justification to tell them, you know, everything, oh, that looks ugly, or, you know, this is, this is uh, what you, sh- you want to tell them all their sins in the proper context. Because there's some who, who will attack that way. But here, it b- becomes an emphasis upon the friend rather than the degree of friendship toward us. And a good example, biblically, as we think about the position of Jonathan and David, 
As we think about the relationship, Jonathan and David, Jonathan was the king's son. And Jonathan was next in line. And King Saul said, why are you befriending him? He's taking your position. And David was the anointed one who God had chosen, and he was going to be king next. And Jonathan recognized that and protected him from his father and tried to help him, give him benefit because he cared about him. And he understood that this was what God had chosen and delivered. And as we think about in life, what often happens is that we're more afraid of people or we prepare, we make our own plans and we don't think about what God wants. There's a couple ladies who are bragging about their position in life. They were friends and they got together for a, um, after graduating high school, been a while. Two elderly women met for the first time since graduating from high school. One asked the other, you were always so organized in school. Did you manage to live a well-planned life? Yes, her friend said. My first marriage was to a millionaire. My second marriage was to an actor. My third marriage was to a preacher. And now I'm married to a funeral home director. Her friend asked, wow, you know, those are a lot of marriages. But what do these marriages have to do with a well-planned life? And uh, the woman says, well, the first was for the money, the second for the show. The third was to get ready and the fourth to go. But to understand the perception among friends, you know, that's not necessary. I wouldn't recommend that. But to be able to understand sharing the gospel with your friends. Most of us, the greatest fear is rejection. You know, they're going to reject us. They're going to think that we're crazy. Embarrassment. You know, while that may occur temporary, but if you didn't share with them, what would be the greater psychological, even emotional if, if you will, thinking about that, how would they feel? Why didn't you tell me? You have the greatest possession of gift in the gift of salvation, and you haven't told your friend. You know, we must not let the fear of others overcome our fear of God toward our friends. The greatest gift that you could give to them, especially at this Christmas time, to understand what has been given to you to share with them. The third thing we look at, and the last one here, is uh, the future. And looking at the fear of the Lord in, reg- in relation to our future. Because it affects our future. Proverbs 23, 15 through 19. Proverbs chapter 23, 15 through 19. It states and says, My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will indeed rejoice. My innermost being will cheer when your lips say what is right. Don't let your heart envy sinners. Instead, always fear the Lord, for then you will have a future and your hope will never fade. Listen, my son, and be wise. Keep your mind on the right course. And even that in life, sometimes in our lives we get unbalanced, we, we stray from the path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not, lean, not to your own understanding. It, it, it's important that we follow the path that God has given to us. But to recognize that, that future, because fear affects our perspective of the future. First of all, the fear, negatively, the fear of failure. You know, no one likes to fail. No one likes to say, oh, guess what? You got an F in, in, in school, or maybe, you know, you failed at a job, or you had a project and you failed at. No one likes that. No one likes to admit it. But to understand, the quicker we admit it, we can, the quicker we can move forward. Because otherwise, that failure plagues us. 
When I was younger, um, I had the opportunity playing in high school soccer, the penalty kick. I was the one of the best who could kick a penalty kick. And so the time came where, okay, guess what? To win the game, I could kick a penalty kick. And I was like, oh, no, don't call on me. I was like, to do that, and, and guess what? Here it comes, you're tied, and he calls my name. And I was like fearful, and I should have prayed, but I didn't think about it. All I could think of, you know, oh, man, a lot of people looking, what, what will happen? And one thing about Asians, we're not that athletic. I was pretty decent in sports. But you know what? I could kick the penalty kick. But guess what? I got nervous and didn't even think about, guess what? There's as much pressure on that person as there is on me. And I kicked it, and boom, sailed it right over. Even if I'd gone for a corner, it might have gone in. But, you know, that sometimes that can linger with you. Oh, the failure. You could have done this. But if I just allow that, you know, then never play in sports. Sometimes in our lives, those failures, whether they may be insignificant to others, maybe it's a failure in parenting, a failure in our home, a failure in just simply what we've done. Sometimes we just have to let it go and move on. But that will help us because otherwise it will plague us and be a constant reminder. The fear of flame. Now you might be wondering, thinking, what does that have to do? Fear of flame? Pyromaniacs? But the reason I put that in the fear of flame is that people don't have the fear of flame. And oh, let me just, I had an illustration about the failure. And, and uh, just you might enjoy that because in the fear of the future of thinking about failure, and what's going on? A groom wanted to surprise his bride on their wedding day, so he arranged with the bakery to have a Bible verse inscribed on the cake. He chose 1 John 4.18, which reads, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not perfect in love. See, so that's a great verse. You know, you want to put it on the cake, but the baker wasn't familiar with the Bible, and he got it wrong. He didn't put in the one. He just thought, okay, John. So he inscribed it with John 4.18. And those of you who know John 4.18, what it says is that you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. You know, they could just let that failure just stay with them, but, you know, you just need to let it go. I'm sure she was a little angry, but to move forward, but to understand. And the fear of flame is the actions of the past or death in general. There are those who are always thinking about, oh, you know what? A negative is my, my past actions. And um, really, they ought to be fearful of the flame of what is to come, the future. But there are those who have never come to a, a personal relationship with Christ. And they're always trying to measure their actions. Will it meet up? Oh, you know what? Will my good outweigh my bad? Because otherwise, there are flames coming. And so they have that concept of just a, a measurement. They're fearful. But as we also look at the freedoms, future freedoms, there are those who only dwell on, you know, they believe that civil rights are eternal. And what I mean by that is that while we should seek to preserve our, our rights as long as we can, guess what? There's, they're going to be taken away. The freedoms that we have as believers, the freedom we have as citizens that live in the United States. You know, understand there's other countries where they don't have the same freedoms. And the challenge is we want to preserve them, but guess what? When they go away, and they will go away, I believe, you know, it is going to get worse that we need to turn to God and understand that not let it consume us and overwhelm us so much because there are those who act out and behave in very ungodly ways. And guess what? Even though, that occur even though those rights are taken away, those freedoms, 
we still have a future. And that is important to understand. But let's look at, on the other side of it, the positive. What are some of the positive fears that, as we look at these in the future, the fear of the Lord gives us reassurance of his character qualities for the future. When we think about the future, what shouldn't overwhelm us when we look at situationally and circumstantially, they should not overwhelm us because we must focus upon the fear of the Lord and who God is. So if we go to the next slide, on the positive side, we should think about understanding as we think about the future, that first of all, God is sovereign. God is in control. Even though bad things happen, bad things happen to good people, but to understand that God is in control that has a plan and purpose, and to help us understand his great love, there also has to be great sorrow, light and darkness, and God is in control. Also, God is omniscient. The fact that he knows everything that is taking place, that should provide us some comfort that God knows what is taking place and he knows what will happen in the future, even if we do not. Maybe you're worried about where you're going to go to college. Maybe you're worried about where you're going to live, where you're going to work. Maybe you're worried about retirement. Maybe you're worried about um, the future, kids, grandkids. Maybe you're worried about the world. Oh, what's going to happen? You know, will the housing market, will the stock market crash? Oh, what is going to take place? God is still on the throne. He knows what is going to take place. And guess what? We trust in the God. God is not going to act just simply for you. That would be a very selfish thing, you know, that you would just do that. But in his divine plan, he, he, he cares about you. But, he, you know, it's not like, oh, God, give me a, a red Porsche. Okay, you know, guess what? Oh, I'll, I'll put that in there. And he's going to make sure that you get that. Well, there's probably a greater blessing that he doesn't, that you don't get it. But to understand that God is omniscient, all-knowing, but he's also all-powerful. And within his character, he can do all things, and he, he can do whatever he chooses. Sometimes we, we put a limit on God. We think that oh, God can't do things. God can't fix my marriage. God can't fix my job, or God can't fix my situation. We just resign to that fact. God can't help that. But to understand within who God is, we believe that God is powerful enough to give you eternal life, to transform you, to give you the righteousness of Christ, and that when you die, you can be in heaven. To make someone who is sinful, each of us are sinfulness, to be able to have the righteousness to stand before God, who God the Father, who cannot allow sin into his presence. God who is powerful enough to create this universe. He could have done it in one shot, but, you know, to six days. Really, that was just a pattern to help us. But yet God can't, can't fix this situation that we're facing. I believe he can, and in the future, and to understand that, that there is a future. That's why we're here, that God has a plan, a purpose for your life, and God is faithful. And that's what we've seen in the past. The longer you, you're in Christ, to understand, you know, as the wisdom that talks about in Proverbs, the to be wise as we think about the instruction and knowledge of God, what he has done for us, what he's done for other people, what he's, the stories in the Bible, these individuals who are not perfect people, the forgiveness, the reconciliation, the promises that he kept. He can keep those for us as well, and he will. And we can trust him. And God is coming. And that right there is a blessing for the future, that God is coming again. He will return. And Jesus Christ is coming back. And that gives us a hope, a promise, a future. And so while fears of our situation, 
of what is taking place in our lives may really overwhelm us. We can trust the one who has the future in his hands. And it's important. So don't be overwhelmed what the future holds. I think about the, the lonely frog who, who was wondering about his future. So he telephoned the psychic hotline to ask what the future holds. And his personal psychic advisor tells him, you are going to meet a beautiful young girl who will want to know everything about you. The frog is thrilled. This is great. Will I meet her at the lake, he croaks. And, and the person on the telephone says, no, the psychic says, in biology class. Well, your future will not end like that, but you may be in biology class. But to understand that God holds your future. And so the fears that consume us, don't let them consume us because your fears are misplaced. You can't do anything about them. And so turn the anxiety and fear. Read the word of God that helps us. We learn about his promises. We can have confidence in knowing that God is in control, that he is all-knowing, that he's powerful. He may not change your situation for a while, but it doesn't mean that he is any less loving towards you. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. And he's given us that gift of, of prayer to turn to him, to call out to God. And even when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit intervenes to help us. And without the gift of fear, we would not have the gift of faith. And as we look at that, that is important because faith, the balance of fear is faith. Because if God didn't give us the gift of fear to fear him, it would not help us to understand what faith, believing that God will do what he promised, but also enable us to act upon that. And the object of our faith is worthy of our trust. The more we grow in our relationship with God, with Christ, you know what? Does he become more faithful? Does God become more faithful? You can answer that. Does God become more faithful? No. He's always faithful. And it's a terminology that helps us understand that guess what? The reassurance is that I can be faith, I can see his faithfulness. He doesn't change. He's always faithful. He doesn't grow in his faithfulness, but my understanding, my perception, my trust continues to grow and grow. And you know, people lose credibility very quickly in their lives. Someone messes up, oh guess what? I'm not trusting you. Oh, you know what? You served me a bad meal. I'm not going back there again. You know, I'm going to tell everyone about it. We lose credibility until maybe we're hungry for one of their dishes. We'll go back. Or if someone does something to us, well, I'm not going to do that. Trust. It's hard for us, humanly speaking. But God is trustworthy. And that's why, because we have no human example of true fidelity. The closest we may have is in our parents. But sometimes, you know, they let us down. Without the gift of fear, we would never have the gift of faith. Prayer and obedience must be our immediate response to fear. A prayer of praise in response to the fear of the Lord. Or a prayer of faithful dependence upon God when we fear our circumstances. So when we are fearful, turn to God. Place it. Give it to him and talk to him. Pray. And praise him also because sometimes there's a time where where if you've ever been to see the maj majesty of the stars or been in a position where you see the awe of creation, been awed by God, God is awesome. And, and as we look at his creation, it reminds us of his character. 
And sometimes we just can't help but say, wow. The adoration, the fear of the Lord. Thunderstorms. Have you seen some of those thunderstorms that move by? You know, I mean, they're, they're kind of fearful. Or the dust storms, the monsoons, the haboobs. You know, we live in Arizona. The wind, I never knew that there's so much wind in Arizona. And there can be fearful things. But, you know, it also tells us about the character of who God is. So fear him. And let me just close with this. I'm going to read Proverbs 14, 26, and 27 again, and it'll be on the screen. Proverbs 14, 26, and 27. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. That, just understand, we live in the desert when there's no water. Fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. It's not just a trickle of life. It's a fountain of life, a source, a spring, turning people away from the snares of death. And my prayer is this morning that you would just understand the fear of the Lord. What a great gift that is, to fear the Lord. But don't be afraid of mankind, of what they can do to us. Don't be fearful of what other people think. But when your fear of the Lord is properly balanced, and when what we believe about God that in a right relationship with him. It'll help us in our conduct, in our thoughts, and in our actions. And this time at Christmas time, the greatest gift, thinking about the fear of the Lord. May it be a blessing in your life this Christmas time. Shall we pray?